Happy New Year. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and I'm so glad that you've made the decision to start it off right. In God's Word, of course. Now, in just a minute, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 24. But first, Greg Harris, the president of Through the Bible, is here with us with some encouragement for us as we usher in 2024. Well, every new year at Through the Bible is a year of excitement and anticipation and expectation. And if for no other reason than the fact that we know we're going to traverse exciting new mountains and valleys in the scriptures. Yep. We're continuing on in Proverbs. And then in Dr. McGee's tradition, we're going back to the New Testament. We're going to be going through Philippians. Right. And then Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and then back to Colossians. Yes. And then Isaiah, <laughs> and then we continue on to First and Second Thessalonians, and then Jeremiah, and then First and Second Timothy, and who can forget Ezekiel? Of course not. And then landing in Titus and Philemon in the New Testament, right? And then Daniel, and then on to Hebrews. So all of those books, if you are on the Bible bus and you stay, or if maybe you're just hearing this and and Steve Schwetz is saying, "I got a seat for you," you're going to cover all those books of the Bible that. That's a lot of Bible study in one year. Yeah, it's really going to be a great year. And I'm, I'm curious, it, what book are you looking most forward to listening to and studying yourself? And if you could write to us and tell us, we'd certainly love that as well. Oh, I thought you were asking me. That was such a personal tone. You were looking right at me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm personally, I think I'm looking forward to, to going back to Ezekiel because it is is such a challenging book. And Dr. McGee is so good at helping us through the book of Ezekiel. Mm. So that's my answer now. Everybody else in the listening family, write to Steve and tell him. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing that. Now, on the Sunday (laughs) sermon, we're going to continue to share some of Dr. McGee's never-aired sermons. So if you're not a Sunday sermon listener, you're only listening to the daily, go ahead and download the app for the Sunday sermon or listen to it on your local station. I know that I've really enjoyed hearing uh, from many of you who haven't been on the Bible bus for decades and say how much they've been enjoying the new messages. Well, and one of the things, this may not be the the main thing, but it's great to know, we were just talking to our studio engineer, Nathan, who does such great work for us, and he's been cleaning them up and getting the audio in the best possible condition. Because remember, these sermons were recorded in a church 40-plus years yeah, ago. Yeah, and they were, more importantly, they were recorded on reel-to-reel yes. tape, which degrades <laughs> over time. So we're fighting the clock of, of time yes. to try and get these recovered and back into usable form. But we're so grateful that we have such great team members that, you know, that work so hard to make the experience for those of us that listen the best it can be. Yeah. The other thing that we've got is some great Bible study resources. You know, I remember back in the day when we only had the notes and outlines and the five-year study. And boom, because of the people that we've got uh, on staff, we've got Bible Companions. My personal favorite is, we uh, know, the Bible Companions. (laughs) Great way to do a home Bible study group. If you're looking to maybe, you know, share the Bible with your neighbors. Go to our resources page on our website, download the thing for free. They're usually, I don't know, 40 to 60 pages of teaching with some application questions, and it gets that person listening to Dr. McGee, which we love as well. We always have an extensive amount of booklets as well as Briefing the Bible, and that's on Kindle, too. If you're like me and you like the Kindle, Briefing the Bible's there. What else do we have? Uh, right? We have, of course, the newsletter, which is you can get in your mailbox or in your inbox. And I actually get both because I love the beautiful newsletter. It, it comes through so every cover you could literally frame. It, yeah. it usually has a great quote from Dr. Yeah. McGee. I'm a paper guy myself on that newsletter. Yeah, yeah. Because I like it. It fits into my Bible really well. Yes. And I use it just as a part of my devotional. I can read through mm-hmm. it. I can go piece by piece. It's not just a big fluff piece. There is yes. solid 
content from Dr. McGee, you kind of get an overview and a different window into what we're studying in that appropriate month. It's a great resource. And we actually are running out of time, but Ugh. we have we have apps in English and lots of other languages, dozens of other languages. We have Bible bus passes to share uh, your faith or to share TTB, just so many, so many things. Yeah, Greg, unfortunately, we're yeah. out of time. Let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, as we launch into 2024, I pray that you would use your word in our lives, uh, that we may draw closer to you, that we would have a better understanding of the precious salvation that we have only through Jesus Christ. And it's whose name we pray. Amen. Now here's our study in Proverbs 24 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, in chapter 24, we've come to the last chapter of the Proverbs of Solomon that he wrote and arranged. And after this, we will have some that were arranged by the man of Hezekiah. Apparently, they were Proverbs of Solomon because he made quite a few of them. We only have a very small percentage of those that he wrote. These are tremendous truths that have been congealed and boiled down into a very small compass that can grip our lives and direct us down here. Now, we begin with verse 1, chapter 24, and let me read it. "'Be not thou envious of evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief.'" Now, this has been before us before. Anything that is important, you find a repetition of it in the book of Proverbs. We've seen that relative to several things. There has been a warning about the abuse of the tongue, for instance. A great deal was said about the tongue, and a great deal about pride, and a great deal about a fool. These are things that are constantly emphasized, and they certainly are translated into life. You find these folk on the sidewalks, not only of New York, but of your town and my town, That's the reason I said you will find a proverb that'll fit every person that you know, and a great many of those in the Bible, as we've already seen. I think you'd find one for everyone. I haven't taken time to call attention to those. But here, I can call attention to the fact that back in the 73rd Psalm, you'll recall that is a psalm not of David, but of Asaph. And David had had the same problem. And again, he said he was envious. In verse 3 of Psalm 73, Asaph says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And not only were they prosperous, he saw that they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And not only that, they blaspheme God. Verse 9, they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Now, he was disturbed about that. I'm of the opinion you've been disturbed by that. I know I have. As I've looked about me, I remember as a boy, as a poor boy, and I couldn't understand why I had to be a poor boy and work as I had to work, go to work when I was 14 years of age, and I wanted to go to school. And a lot of these other boys fact, the matter is, we're dropping out of school, and yet they were able to go. And I had a real question mark. And here again, you have that, Be not thou envious of evil men, 
neither desire to be with them. Why? Because there is a day of reckoning come. And it was this man Asaph that could say in Psalm 73, verse 17, "...until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein that God will deal with them." And according to your pattern and mine, there's a great deal of injustice in this world, and there's very little that you and I can do about it. Now, we've been in a generation that has protested everything, and they've attempted to level off a great many things that are in the world. I don't think they've done a bit of good myself. All of this protesting just doesn't solve the problem because the problem is in the heart of man. The heart of man has to be changed. But God is the one that's going to level this thing off someday, and we can trust him to do that. I think you and I need to recognize our place in life. It's going to make us a much happier person if you and I realize God's put me in this particular place and I am to fulfill a purpose here. And I look at that man over yonder. He is prosperous. He's a wicked man. I don't understand it. And tell God you don't understand it. That's what Asaph did. I've told him that a dozen times. I didn't understand it. But the important thing is to go on with him and understand that God's going to work it out. And the Bible is just filled with instances of wicked men that came to a bad end. You begin at the very beginning. You can start out with Cain, and you can come right on down, and you can find this man that we call Lot. And he was a saved man, went down to the city of Sodom and prospered. But there came a day when he wished he hadn't moved that. It was a sad mistake for him to do that. You go through the Word of God, and you can see how judgment has come time and time again. This is a very important statement. Now, we move on here in verse 3 and 4. These two verses are quite wonderful also. It says, "...through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established." And by knowledge shall the inner chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, this is a very wonderful picture of what you and I are to do. We are to do the same thing that a man who builds a house, and then he fills that house with furniture and lovely pictures and tapestries and many lovely personal items and many valuable things. And it's just wonderful to see a home like that, a beautiful home that's wonderfully furnished. Now, may I say that you and I ought to be building us a house down here, a house of wisdom, a house of knowledge. And then we ought to begin in our minds and in our hearts. ought to be a lovely mansion. And then we ought to fill it with all kinds of wonderful furniture, and all kinds of vases, and maybe a few vases, and beautiful pictures, and lovely things. That's what we ought to be doing down here. Study, Paul says to a young preacher, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that's what you and I are to do down here, in filling our hearts and lives with the word of God. Build a lovely home. Fill it with lovely things. You know, it's tragic to 
see some of the hovels. I was down in South America, and a missionary took me on a visit to some of the homes. And I want to tell you, some of those homes were just what you'd call a lean-to, made out of old boards, some of them decaying, the dilapidated place. And then you'd step inside, and honestly, there was no place to sit. They didn't even have a chair. <laughs> Just stood and talked to them, and over in the corner, there'd be an old blanket, looked like a blanket or a sheepskin over that. That's where they slept. There was no bed, and they cooked on the outside. And I thought how tragic that was. Frankly, it made me sick going back. Miss Missionary was used to it, of course, and worked with those people for years. And she recognized the awful poverty, but nothing she could do about it. But she was doing a marvelous work there among those people. But I was sick just thinking of the poverty of those people down there in South America and what they lived in. But friends, up here in North America, I know a lot of Christians that should have spent their lives building a lovely home that is spiritually and filling it with all kinds of wonderful treasure out of the Word of God and that type of a life. And yet, may I say to you, you meet them and you find out spiritually all they got is a little hovel. And when you look on the inside, oh, the ignorance. There's nothing there. Absolutely, it is bad. I was talking the other day to a group of preachers. They agreed with me on this. I don't know they would say it publicly. But I do. I think the biggest, the biggest tragedy in our churches are the ignorant church members. Oh, do they have a vacant house, little old hovel, and nothing in it. That's the tragedy of the hour. Through wisdom is a house building. Oh, that he might make us wise. Now he goes on to say, a wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make war for thyself, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. You have a great many resources and recourses, not only folk that you can appeal to today, but back to the Word of God. I don't believe in this method when you want a decision of just opening the Bible and looking at a verse. That's no good. The Word of God is not a roulette wheel that you turn and just hope it stops at the right place. Now may I say to you that if you have read about what Moses wrote, and Joshua wrote, and Samuel wrote, and David wrote, and Micah wrote, and Zechariah wrote, and Matthew wrote, and Paul wrote, and John wrote, and you have all of that, they're counselors, and you can appeal to them at the time you need a decision, you see. We're going to move on down now. I'd love to spend time here. But verse 10, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. <laughs> in other words, he's saying something here, by the way, that's rather important. And it's just simply this. It takes a man to do a man's job. Or, as you've heard the bromide, never send a boy to do a man's work. Never, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You see, it takes these times of real stress and strain, these times of testing 
That's the way God develops our spiritual character, and that's the way that he enables us to grow. It's in that hour of trial that you and I really manifest the spiritual strength that we have. It's a great comfort to know that many of God's men, even when the test came, they turned and ran. You remember when Elijah was so brave yonder on top of Mount Carmel, but word was brought to him that Jezebel was after him and she's going to kill him. And he took out, and I tell you, he ran for the wilderness. And when he got down there to Beersheba, he left his servant, and he continued on into the desert, climbed up and under a juniper tree and said, Lord, let me die. And you know, David came to a place in his life when he was so hunted by Saul that he had not a moment's peace. He could say, Lord, I'm hunted like a partridge. And one of these days, they're going to catch me. And one of these days, I'll be put to death. And he became discouraged. But both of these men in that hour found out that the Lord would and did strengthen them. Oh, this is a very important proverb. Now, verse 11, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? Now, there's somebody you could help, and you know it, and you could help them. And there's many a man that could be a witness. Now, I've talked with a man recently. He feels like he's been responsible for a suicide of a loved one. He said, I knew I should have done this. Well, I'm of the opinion that he should have, but he didn't do it, you see. And God is the one that ponders the heart. And the man's under great conviction because he neglected doing something at a time when he should have done it. But that's gone now, and all he could do, as I told him, all you can do is go to the Lord. Tell him that, Lord, you know that I know now that you knew my position at the time. And I failed. And I've come to you to strengthen me and help. And I'm sure that he would do that. How wonderful that would be. And it would deliver a man from being overwhelmed, of course, by his grief, because he shouldn't be overwhelmed by that. Now, will you notice verse 16? I'm just lifting out some wonderful verses here now. It says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And seven times the number completeness means he just keeps on falling. Do you know anybody like that? But he kept getting up. Well, that's Simon Peter. <laughs> and then notice, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. That's Judas. Here are two men that were apostles. And this proverb illustrates both of them. A just man falleth seven times. Well, he'll get up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. And that's what happened to Judas, you see. But this man, Simon Peter... He was constantly falling. We magnify the fact that you remember at the time that he walked on water, we say, oh, Simon Peter failed there. Well, I don't really think he failed because he did walk on the water. It says he walked on the water to come to Jesus. But he got his eyes off of the Lord Jesus onto the water and those waves rolling. I really have great sympathy for him there. And he began to sink. But that wasn't the only time the man fell. That night that the Lord Jesus was arrested, he denied him three times. Again and again and again, this man failed the Lord. But he'd always get up and start out again. 
when I was pastor here in Pasadena, a man said to me, he said, you know, I have failed so many times, I'm even ashamed to go back to the Lord and tell him again that I failed and I want to start over again. I said, well, you may be ashamed, but the Lord's not. He's ready to start you out again. And he said, well, how many times do you suppose you can fail and still come back? Well, I said, I don't know. I'm working way up in the hundreds right now myself, and I still go to him. I think that, friends, that is the important thing, that we go back to our Heavenly Father and tell him that we stumble and we got dirty again, and he'll put us right back into service. How wonderful it is to have a Heavenly Father like that. Now he says, verse 17, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, And let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. You know, you hear something bad about somebody, and you haven't really liked them very much. You say, my, I'm glad that happened to him. Now, don't tell me you never said that, because human nature is like that. But now God is saying, don't rejoice when your enemy falleth. That's not the way to solve any kind of a problem. Why? Lest the Lord see it and it displeased him, and he turned away his wrath from him. The Lord may turn around and start prospering the man that you enemy. Then you really will be miserable yourself. So you better not rejoice on that account. Then verse 19, it says, Fret not thyself because of evil man, neither be thou envious at the wicked. Somebody said we just read that. Yes, back in verse 1. And why do we have it again? Well, we have it again because it's important. The Lord repeats many things that are given again and again. You notice some of the parables are given, and certain of the miracles of our law. The feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. When you read it, you'll find that each one adds something very peculiar that is actually peculiar to the Gospel that he wrote. And here... This is something that needs to be repeated. And that's the reason I emphasized it as much as I did. Now, when we come here to verse 23, we have actually a kind of a break here. And it says, These things also belong to the wise. Now, here's something else that the young man should have before he graduates. It's not good to have respect of persons in judgment. Now, if you're going out into life, that is a very important matter, and it is something that's so needed. It's needed today in men in public office. It's needed by employers. It's needed by men in any position of authority. It's not good to have respect of persons in judgment. And it goes on, "...he that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nation shall abhor him." And today there's a great deal of that, of commending a wicked man and say that the wicked man is a righteous man. My friend, that's one of the worst things in the world that could take place. And as you move on down through this, it says, verse 29, "...say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work." Now, again, you remember that in the 12th of Romans, Paul says, Avenge not yourself. God says, I will repay, saith the Lord. How important it is. And then it concludes like this. 
it says, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want is an armed man. In other words, when the young man is graduating from school, it doesn't make any difference how much you know. It doesn't make any difference about other things. But if you're a lazy individual, that's going to be the greatest handicap you could possibly have in life. Our time is up. Now we will close right there today. Until next time, may God richly bless you. I bless Join us next time for more great teaching in God's Word. Until then, if you want to check out the resources that Greg and I mentioned earlier, then go ahead and visit ttb.org. And you can always call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find something in particular. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. And remember, you can always email us at biblebus at ttb.org. I'm Steve Sweats, excited for all that God has in store for us as we make our way through the Bible in 2024. Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?